It's great to see you here. Uh, it's warmer in here than it is outside, let me tell you that. So uh, you made a good decision there. Um, we have been uh, baptizing uh, people uh, across the church today. So we have nine people being baptized. This is uh, always an exciting day in the life of the church. And uh, I guess for, for most of us, if we've uh, grown up in a uh, in church, uh, or, or actually if we come regularly to church, we've seen a baptism. And so we, we're kind of familiar with it, aren't we? We just think, well, we know someone's going to speak, and then they're going to go in the water, and then we're going to put them under the water. We're kind of familiar with it. But I was thinking about for, for maybe a number of guests, friends and family, maybe don't go to church always, come to support those being baptized today. It, I mean, it, it, you know, if it's the first time you've ever been in church, for example, and you come in and what they do is they get someone to speak and then they put them in water, it's, it's, it's a bit strange. Actually, in the New Testament, there are two sacraments. There's baptism, believer's baptism, and breaking bread or communion. Um, and uh, it's a way of expressing and telling your story that you're now a Christian. And I want to speak today on, um, on my title for the message is The Power of a story. There we go. A power of a story. We've seen that this morning um, in written and spoken testaments. And it's probably followed a similar pattern. It's followed the pattern of someone talks about their past. Uh, I was like this, and then this happened. Or I was brought up in a Christian home. Or something like, I've never been to church, and then... There's a, there's a past, there is some kind of narrative to a journey, and then there comes a moment of revelation. There becomes a moment, and I did the Alpha Course, or I investigated Christianity, and I met Jesus, or I felt forgiven, or I, I encountered God. Different people use differing words, but there's a moment of encounter, and then there's a, a step beyond that. Then there's the response to the encounter. And therefore, I'm here today to get baptized, to say Jesus is Lord, which is another way of saying Jesus is the boss, the leader of my life. And uh, I suspect through the day, uh, there'll be different testimonies, but they'll have that rough framework. Uh, But everyone is unique. I love that about baptisms. When you hear someone tell their story, it's unique. The, The end point is the same. Uh, but probably if we, if we had time, we all told our story, uh, there would be something about, I was like this, I met Jesus, I got baptized, I'm following him now. But it would all have something that's unique about it. I love that about the way God, God can speak to you wherever you are on your journey. Whatever's happened in the past, God can do that. And uh, one testimony I, I asked uh, Annie to send me through the testimonies, I love reading them. One I read and it said, um, in um, summer... 2014, I was in a very different place. I was caught up in a cycle of addiction. And it goes on, I moved to England and I joined Soul Survivor Church. And God loved me and healed me and blessed me. And it goes on the testimony, and I felt to join King's Church. And I've been blessed with a warm welcome a wonderful, uh, and a wonderful opportunity to get baptized. Uh, and uh, I mean, it shows, you know, that I... I I was like this, I encountered God, and I'm here to be baptized. Uh, that's why I love uh, uh, testaments, because they're, they're like life stories. 
Uh, it's been put to me once that you expect professional pastors, not that I feel I'm one of those, but you expect pastors to preach about Jesus and the good news. But when real people get up, I am a real person, I know that might shock some of you, but when real people get up, you go, you have to consider, and that's why I love it. And sometimes they're not as good at communicating. I, I, I miss the baptisms here because I was speaking up at our, our lease site, but uh, it doesn't matter. It's the life. A person saying, I've met the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and stories are powerful. Stories are powerful. It's why uh, we love to read and watch movies that have stories or read books that have stories. Uh, and a good book or a good movie sort of tells a story and draws us in and touches our emotions and uh, uh, they're powerful. I particularly like watching movies or reading books that have got um, kind of, they've got some historical truth. Um, I, 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 actually, to be honest, I'm a, I like to watch more than read. I'm not a great reader. I like to watch you know, get a box set and watch the story and things like that. I love doing that. My wife, Deb, is just sitting in the front here. Uh, it's, Deb's a reader. She loves to read. And uh, I teach here that it's important that, you, you know, you work on shared interests in your marriage. So I thought, I've got to practice what I teach. So I said across the summer, uh, we're on holiday, and Deb, Deb, what Deb does on holiday is just... She just sits there and reads, and I run around and look after her. That's what I have. Uh, and, uh, and what happened was, on this occasion, I said, look, what I would like to do is I like to read one of your novels. And do you want to... No, no, I didn't. I said, I'll try it. So I, I got one of her. She said, oh, you're, this, is a, this is a classic. Read this. So I read the first chapter, and I thought, oh, okay, keep going, Steve. Maybe it's going to take a while. For, you know, it does take a while to get... So I got to the second... I thought, okay. I got to the third. I was starting to think by the third. I thought, when is something going to happen in this book? Okay. I got to the fourth. I got to the fifth, which I think, guys, is pretty impressive. I got to the fifth, and I said to Deb, I said, I'm really struggling. I mean, when does something happen in this book? And she said, oh, no. It's all about the character development. And I said, what do you mean, that character development? She says, well, you know, you get to know the characters and the depth of the character and how the writer reveals and things like that. I said, I said, I said, look, no one's been killed. Uh, 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 no one's been blown up yet. I said, she said, oh, no, there's, there's not much of a plot. It's character driven. I said, well, I need a plot. And, uh, and so I didn't read any more. So basically, true story. Um, but, you know, some books are, and some movies, that, like, like the, the, my dad phoned me this week. He said, you've got to see the new Churchill movie. He grew up in London and grew up during the Second World War. So he was like, oh, wait, so you've got to see it. It's a true story. It's quite, supposed to be uh, quite a response in the, in, in the theatres at the moment. Or Dunkirk or, or, or the movie about Mandela. Um, and so these, these great stories, uh, uh, there's power in a story. In fact, some of the greatest books and movies, we, we actually know them from the first line. So there is, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. Charles Dickens, The Tale of Two Cities. Or, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. You see, you know, a classic, another kind of classic of, not literature, but of the movie world. Uh, if you don't know that, it's the Star Wars trilogy, the beginning of it. The absolute classic, culturally classic. <laughs> or in the beginning, 
God. In the beginning, God. The Bible is every year far outsells any other written literature. It's, it's, you just Google it. It's, it's the world leader. Yeah, This book. And this is God's story. This starts with God. In the beginning, God. And then the story, really the Bible is one big story. It starts with God, creation. It goes to the fall of mankind. And then it's about God's salvation plan from that point. How is he going to recover the fallenness of mankind? Ultimately revealed in Jesus, the Gospels tell the story of God taking on flesh and dying for us and then being raised for us. And then the story goes on to tell how this new faith with a, you know, a 33-year-old Jew that's uh, killed by the Romans then explodes on the world and continues bearing fruit even to this day. The gospel is, is bearing fruit all over the world. Yeah? Millions of people coming to faith daily uh, from a risen Messiah. And it uh, finishes, actually, the, that's not the end of the story. The end of the story is that Jesus is coming again. And he's going to gather all those that are uh, in him. Yeah? There's another way of saying he's not going to gather those that are not in him. And that's the end of the story. It's the second coming. It's the time of judgment. The time of uh, the end of what is called a dispensation. An era in God's sovereign plan. We're in the era of grace and opportunity to respond to the good news of Jesus. Uh, uh, ah, God's story. As a young man, I went to see the movie uh, The Mission. Have you ever seen that movie? I know some of you are too young, but it's not Mission Impossible, which is a fun movie. But it, The Mission was about Jesuit priests who felt the call of God, the Catholic Jesuit priests that went to uh, South America to proclaim the gospel to unreached tribes. And, and it start, the movie starts with one of them being killed. And I, as a young man with a sense of call of God on my life, it deeply challenged me and deeply troubled me. I can, I can see I was at the point in Milton Keynes. You were there, love, weren't you? And, me, and I remember afterwards being disturbed. Would I, as someone that felt called and a believer of Jesus, would I give my life? Would I go to a country to tell the story of Jesus? And I don't know if I would, and, but I, I, it moved me. Good movies, good literature does that. Um, stories also have uh, always been a primary way of communication. That's why many cultures have an oral tradition. They literally tell the story from one generation to the next. Stories connect us. They touch our emotions. They connect us to others. Through stories, we communicate our passions, our sadness, our hardships, our hopes, our joys. I was there. It was the FA Cup final. Palace, Johnson Punchant scored with seven minutes to go. Could Palace beat Man United and win the FA Cup final? The fans were cheering, but oh no. Man United equalised and went on to win. Oh. Yeah, all right, okay, all right. Just, just call themselves supporters. They're just followers. They never actually go. Uh, but let me not get distracted from that. The jibes from the crowd is, um, I mean, guys particularly, and women, but guys particularly will talk about football and talk about their team. You, sometimes you talk to guys, it's like it's really important. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, and it is. But no, uh, 
They tell a story. They say, you know, I was there and this happened. You wouldn't believe what the ref did and all that. Stories communicate sometimes how we feel and how we think. Uh, we use stories or a, a narrative to make decisions. So uh, very often, as a, a, a leading this church, I'd be with a, another group of leaders, and I would literally say, I felt God say this to me, and then this happened, and uh, I've concluded this, I'm thinking this. What do you think? You tell a story. It's how we uh, make meaning of life. And today, what I want to do is I want to present two stories to you. Uh, One from the Bible, it's going to be the uh, testimony story of the Apostle Paul, and the second story is going to come from popular culture, and it's going to be the testimony story of Russell Brand. So here we have it, you've come to church, you're going to get some of the Apostle Paul, and you're going to get some of Russell Brand. We're going to start with the Apostle Paul. Uh, This is recorded in Acts 22. Paul... uh, Very often when he is in trouble or in front of a crowd, he's being challenged, uh, he takes the opportunity to tell his story. This is what he does in Acts 22. Uh, Come on the screen, let me read it to you. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. When they heard him speak to them in Aramaic, they became very quiet. And then Paul said, I'm a Jew, born in Tarsus of Sicilia, and brought, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way, as his Christians, to their death, arrested both men and women, and thrown them into prison, as the high priest and all the council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord? I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. And my companions led me by the hand into Damascus. And because the brilliance of light had blinded me, because the brilliance of the light had blinded me, a man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see again. And then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one, that's Jesus, and to hear the words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. So familiar, if you're a Christian, you're very familiar uh, with the story and testimony of the Apostle Paul. But he follows this uh, basic framework for telling your story. He talks about his past. He's aware of his audience. He's in front of Jews. 
And so what he wants to do, he contextualizes his testimony to his audience. He speaks in Aramaic, which gets their attention, so they go quiet. And then he kind of gives his credentials, like, I'm a Jew, I was trained. In fact, I persecuted followers of the way, Christians. And then he talks about his encounter. There was a moment uh, when on the road to Damascus, Jesus appears to him. And uh, he, he gives testimony and tells his story. He ends up in Damascus, and he tells his story that Ananias came and, and uh, prays with him, and actually prays with him and says, look, this is what you're going to do. You're going to be a storyteller. You're going to be a witness. You're going you're to tell the Gentiles about uh, this person, Jesus, you've encountered. And the story ends, so in a sense, there's a past, I'm a Jew, uh, I, I encountered Jesus, and then it ends with an action, an immediate action here. He gets baptized. In fact, it becomes as a question, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Past encounter uh, action. In this instance, baptism. Um, I always find the Acts 9 account interesting and challenging in that it was common practice if you encountered God as a Jew, you would fast for three days. So that's why he takes on a fast uh, and then Ananias prays with him. And even before he breaks his fast, he gets baptized. It records that he gets baptized before he eats or drinks. Uh, and um, I think that there's a real challenge there for us, those of us that are Christians here. Uh, if the Apostle Paul doesn't eat and drink before he gets in water, then we, we come up with a series of reasons why we don't. I, I don't fully understand it because the Scripture is crystal clear. So if you're here and you're a believer and you want to follow Jesus and you're trying to build your life on this, this is one of the most clear commands. What are you waiting for? Get up. Be baptized. Now, I know there are many reasons. Oh, I'm a bit scared. I don't know what they'll ask me to... I don't know if I could say something. And we put up... uh, You know, we're people. We're humans. It's a challenge, okay? But if you're just looking at the scripture, it's crystal clear. Um... As I was uh, preparing for this message, uh, Deb uh, uh, linked me to an article um, uh, that was in a Christian magazine um, called The Second Coming of Russell Brand. It wasn't what I was expecting to read, but I was interested. So I wonder if we could just uh, put that up. Thank you. The Second Coming of Russell Brand. Uh, So I read it intently. I don't know if he is a Christian, but as, as I quote from the interview... If he's not, he's very close. And um, uh, it starts up front when he says, My personal feeling is that the teachings of Christ are more relevant now than they've ever been. My personal feeling is the teachings of Christ are more relevant now than they've ever been. I mean, Russell Brand is quite well known, isn't he? He's, uh, we know about he. He got in trouble with Jonathan Ross, didn't he? And got kicked off the radio show. And then uh, he actually made it in Hollywood. Uh, he was successful in two Hollywood movies, Forgetting Sarah Marshall and Get Him to the Greek. I have to confess, movies I haven't watched. But uh, he made it big time in Hollywood. He married Katy Perry. And so he's a high profile. She's a high profile pop star or icon or something like that. But also his public... Uh, world also revealed his public life, which was broken. And so he's known for sex addiction. He's known for drug addiction. 
And then you read the testimony, it says, my personal feeling is the teaching of Christ is more relevant now than it's ever been. You're interested. Well, I was anyway. The interviewer goes on to say that his life was publicly successful, but behind the scenes falling apart. It came to a point where his agent found him at a party in a toilet shooting heroin and said, I've got to do something for this guy. He enrolled him on a 12-step program, uh, a program which is, is based on Christian principles like AA, but this was to do with addiction with um, uh, drugs. Christian principles that are centered on uh, the, the reliance on a higher power, self-reflection, and forgiveness. Um, Christian, it's a course that is centered on Christian principles of a higher power, self-reflection, and forgiveness. He goes on to say in the interview, my route to spirituality came through addiction. So it comes from desperation and fear and this sort of defeat, destruction, annihilation of self in a very humiliating way, I suppose he explains. So I had no choice but to embrace spiritual life. And now I'm grateful for this. It makes sense to my life. Amazing. So I had no choice to embrace spiritual life. But now I'm grateful for this. It makes sense of my life. He goes on to say, Brand says, reciting the Lord's Prayer made him start thinking about what Jesus really meant by the words. One phrase in particular began to jump out to him. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. The interview concludes with Brand offering advice to those wanting to get clean spiritually or physically. He says this, remarkable. Admit you have a problem. Believe it's possible to change. And ask him for help. Invite him in. Capital H's, of course. Now, I don't know if he is a Christian. And if you read the article, some of his language would show that he's got a little bit of sanctification to go on yet. Okay. All right. So, I don't know. I think he's, he's at the very least, he's aware. And at the very least, he has understanding. Because capital H's, of course, shows some awareness of the person you're inviting in, him, God. And actually what he presents here, admit you have a problem, believe it's possible to change and ask him for help, invite him in, is a, is a great summary of the gospel. That to, to know salvation and forgiveness of your sin, you need to admit something, you need, you need, you need to admit you need help. And you need to believe something. Jesus crucified and risen. And you need to invite him. You need to receive him into your life. I've just got three quick applications today for us. Out of the power of a story. Uh, the first is that we all need to be good as Christians. Those of us who are Christians. In telling our story. We should be able to do it in 10 seconds, 60 seconds, or three minutes if you get the chance. Uh, I, I have to, unashamedly, I will tell my story if given the chance. In fact, I even do it sneakily. Yeah? It's, it's so important to tell people it's life and death. Uh, I don't like parties. Yeah? I'm not a big fan of parties, I have to be honest. But if I'm there, I, I will try and find the unbeliever in the room. 
and I'll ask them what they do as a job. Yeah? Because people are nice and they tend to ask you the question back. And I normally go, oh, I'm a pastor. And at that point, they're a little, uh, you know, I don't know why. But, oh, you're a pastor? Oh, okay. And then I tell them my story. Uh, I was brought up in a Christian home, but I, I didn't really like church. I only went because the, I fancied the girls in the youth group. True story. Uh, I might be a pastor, but a good, good eyesight, you know. Anyway, and, uh, uh, and then I, I, I went. So I didn't really like church. Uh, but I went because the girls were there. And then a friend of mine got killed on a motorbike accident. Many of you heard this story before. I was 18, he was 19. Brought me up short. And I went to his funeral. I, I sat in the back row. If I ever went to church, I, I was on the back row. If you're on the back row, you, God can get you on the back row. All right? And uh, I'm, I'm, at the funeral, I'm on the back row and I'm near the door to get out. I'm literally four people from the door. I'm sitting in the back. And in the funeral, I guess, I, oh, okay, I'll uh, my response was, I'll just give God a chance. Oh, anyway, that's, that was where I was. And, um, and now I looked at Christianity in depth for six to nine months and concluded it was easier to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead than not when you actually look at the facts. I'm amazed at how many people dismiss Christianity without actually looking at it uh, and the evidence that's there. And then in a meeting like this, when I go I was preaching, I responded, and then I encountered, I had my Damascus road. It just happened to me, I was sitting in a church building like this, and I got up at the end of the meeting and walked across, you know what I'm going to say, I walked across the room to my pastor, and I said, I want to be baptized. I was never, uh, never, because I'd investigated it, and I knew what I was getting involved in, because I didn't want to give my life to a lie, yeah, so I've got one of these, so I'm going to make it count. And so I just got up and walked across because I knew that if you followed Jesus, the thing you did is you got baptized. I didn't even say I'd become a Christian. I just I said, hey, I'm the count of God, can I be baptized? And uh, that's my story. And so uh, you, need, you need to learn. And, and as Christians, we should be keen to share this good news, not embarrassed by it. Um, the other thing I do is, and I've done this on a number of cases, I draw it. If, someone's try, if I'm trying to explain the gospel, I draw it and... Uh, uh, I do it like this. I don't know if you can see it at the back, but oh gosh, look at this. Kings becomes high tech. You can actually see it on the screen. Okay, so um, this is us. This is God. Here is me and you. Okay, uh, and there is a, a gap between us as fallen people and a holy God. This is exactly what I uh, I try and communicate. And I don't know about you. When I when I first became a Christian, for first believed, I thought the gap wasn't too far. I thought I wasn't too bad of a person. I know God's different to me, but I'm not too bad. Okay, that's where I started. As, um, as I've kind of understood myself and understood, more importantly, God, there's a chasm. I mean, it's huge. And people do loads of things. And this is what I draw. I say, people do loads of things. They think, do you know, they think, I'm, I'm going to do some good. Actually, I'm actually quite a good person. I haven't killed anyone. Or, you know, and, and they compare themselves to other people. It's the wrong comparison. You're comparing yourself with, with other people. You need to p- compare yourself to God. And uh, so I say, look, you might be nice-ish, but believe me, compared to God, you fall, the Bible says you fall far short of the glory of God. Okay? And then people do loads of things. They go, well, I go to church. Um, um, I read the Bible. I even pray to God when I'm in trouble. You know, a whole range of things. And they come up, and, and I just say, look, it just, you'll never get there. 
You cannot earn your salvation. It is not dependent on you. It's dependent on God. And then I go, and that's why God sent his son. And um, I talk about the cross. And I say, look, God has come. God himself has come to take on sin and death and the power of it and bridge the gap between God and mankind. And so you have to, you have to admit your need. You have to believe in Jesus and then you can receive salvation. And I, I draw it. And some people find that helpful. We, we should all be able to do that. When an opportunity comes, it might be over a meal, it might be with a coffee, it might be the end of a meeting when someone is inquiring and you're trying to visualize the gospel so there is understanding when people respond. So let's be really good tellers of our story, yeah? Uh, let's take the opportunity when it comes along. Let's do it with grace. We're not going to go around and beat people up with a Bible, you know, thrust it down their throats, but... Let's be keen to share our good news. And then lastly today, and maybe this will speak to a handful of you here, one of the best ways to tell your story is to get baptised. I mean, it's not really the reason you're doing it. The reason you're doing it is you've been obedient to uh, the Lord that has saved you. And you're saying, I'm lining up with you, Jesus. But I do think there is a, a powerful demonstration it's a storytelling moment where friends and family members and, and also your church family can see you're saying, I, I, I was like this, and I encounter God, and I'm here today to be baptized. So, can I say to you, and now, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. Okay, we're going to pray together now. In fact, actually, could I just ask the band to come up? What, we'll, what we're going to do, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond today. For some of you, I'm going to give you an opportunity to become a Christian today. You have never, ever put your trust in Jesus. You kind of got some kind of faith, but you've never actually had that moment, that encounter moment. Okay? And I'm going to pray in a moment. We're going to sing, and then I'm going to pray in a moment give you an opportunity to respond. And at the same time, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond if uh, you're a Christian here, but you've never been baptized in water. Now, I have to confess, I don't fully understand why not more of you get baptized in water. If I knew, I would try and help you. I mean, it's, it's, you don't have to speak publicly. If that's the thing. It's the fear of being in the public, okay? You can have someone read out a written testament, or you could just get in the water, uh, because the important thing is the baptism, not actually that you uh, uh, are in front of everyone speaking out. It's great if you can, but you don't have to. Uh, some people don't get baptized because they don't want to get their hair wet. We've baptized someone here with a swimming cap on. I mean, it really, we, we, we want to take down all the barriers that maybe you think, okay? Because it's an important part of discipleship and uh, testifying to Jesus as Lord. So I encourage you, press through. And I'm trusting that God has spoken to a good number of you today that you know, actually, I do need to get baptized. We'll prepare you, we'll stand with you, uh, help you through it. Uh, But I'm believing that God has spoken to a number of you about that this morning. Okay? So we're going to stand, we're going to sing, I'm going to pray, and then I'll give you an opportunity to respond.